The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Chris Rhine, Chief Technology Officer for the state of New Jersey. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED edition, our state and local show, Chris. Glad to have you. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Now, before we get started on your New Jersey IT issues and plans and other state priorities, our listeners really enjoy hearing about our guest's background. Our previous folks on the show are all over the place, some predictable and others a a lot less so. I know that uh, James Collins from Delaware started as a dental technician in the Air Force, and Eric Boyette was the director at the North Carolina DMV. Go figure. And Pennsylvania's John McMullen was tech support at the Canadian Department of Defense. But my favorite is my old stomping grounds with Kurt Wood in Massachusetts, who began his career in prison, as I like to say. We got a kick out of that one. He wasn't a convict, but he was a correctional officer for 30 years. So tell us about your career before your appointment in June of last year. Yeah, thank you, uh, John. Uh, Governor Murphy asked me to step into the chief technology officer role uh, in New Jersey. The CTO is the designation, as opposed to many states who, of course, use CIO for that. And when he gave me a call um, early in spring uh, last year, uh, I was uh, quite honored, um, somewhat surprised. I have, I've had a background that is perhaps half in the private sector and uh, and the other half in serving public sector roles. I was the, the state's deputy chief information security officer, uh, serving in that role when I was uh, reached out by Governor Murphy. In the, in the years past, though, it may not have been as colorful as some of those that you just introduced. Uh, I do have a background that I think is, uh, I consider a blessing for the diverse uh, set of positions that I've had the opportunity to uh, operate in. So I had a uh, background in communications software. That is the company now known as Verizon. It was New Jersey Bell and Bell Atlantic before that. And then the, the company that basically spun off as a technology arm, Bell Labs and Bell Communication Research. So that was a good foundation for both technology, technology management, and then um, communications uh, experience. Uh, I I did serve also in in the public sector for the Office of Information Technology. That's the agency that I now head up. I was in an infrastructure chief operating officer role back then. Then I served seven more years back in the private sector. Uh, where I worked for a software development company that we developed and sold software uh, primarily for the public safety sector, prosecutors, state police, local police, and so forth. So I think it's been a good mix. I think uh, the uh, current emphasis on the security of our citizens' data, of our networks, uh, lends itself to basically having a background well-suited for such. So that's a quick summary, John. Well, you mentioned about you getting a call from the governor. That uh, whole selection process is is always very interesting. Is that is, was it as simple as that? Just a phone call, or did, was there actually a nationwide search, as we like to say up in Boston? I don't know about nationwide. I do know that the governor's office and his transition team was seeking 
candidates and they were interviewing various folks with different backgrounds. Again, I was quite honored uh, to be selected. I believe that there were some references that some of the agency heads um, perhaps worked with me or, you know, heard first or secondhand um, about some of the work that I had done and thought that it might be a good fit. Uh, We had several interviews along those lines with uh, staff at the governor's office, the governor's transition team, and and so forth. And um, lo and behold, it it came to pass. So it was rather unexpected on my part, but a very pleasant one. And and I was just, I was honored uh, at at being uh, asked to do so. You know, your office, the Office of Information Technology, tell us about how its role, its authority and responsibilities have evolved over the years. There were significant consolidations and reorganization, I believe, under your predecessor, Dave Weinstein. Is that right? Yes, sir. So about two years ago, two and a half years ago, an executive order that basically changed the charter of OIT um, from being kind of a generic federated, um, you know, center of of IT and technology to more more focusing on infrastructure. So all of the executive branch, the agencies. They're, they're large applications. We have uh, several data centers. But we do operate two large data centers and a few satellite ones within the state. So, yeah, that's, that's the charter. It's all of our managed hosting, our servers, our network infrastructure. We work very closely and partner with our cybersecurity arm. Um, the position that I occupy is a cabinet-level position, so it reports directly to the governor and, our, and the cabinet secretary in New Jersey. And the director of Homeland Security, Jared Maples, he has responsibility for all things uh, Homeland Security-related, including cyber and I work very closely with Mike Garrity in that regard uh, for implementation of uh, technologies, techniques, and uh, tools to protect our agency's data and systems. Now, Governor Murphy, as I understand it, asked you to review the consolidation when you first came on board. Uh, Your findings altered the state's consolidation course, I believe. Tell us a little bit more about that. Certainly. When the executive order... uh, uh, was was issued. Uh, I believe there was a time constraint placed upon the executive branch to implement that, and in in so doing, it it really didn't offer both the agency CIOs as well as OIT to really think through and set in place some of the policies, procedures, and operational practices that optimized uh, such a consolidation. So we, we stepped back a little bit. We, we did some analysis and a lot of discussions with agency heads, uh, cabinet members, CIOs, and we made some operational course corrections so that agencies had a little bit of latitude where needed and where it makes sense, right? The missions of one agency sometimes are quite dramatically different from the core mission of another agency, right? Uh, Public safety, the state police and and law and public safety, quite different from agriculture and health and so forth. So we made some corrections and, and I would say a few policy adjustments to better accommodate some of that diverse uh, set of missions. And I guess that's where you decided to leave some of those larger agencies as they say federated, where it made sense. 
correct. So I would say we slowed down a bit in some areas. The consolidation of servers, you know, physical, virtual, um, to our data centers to allow us to rebuild and and posture the the cloud. We have both internal and external public cloud and private cloud operations that we're preparing for right now, and we've just implemented some of that infrastructure just within the past couple of months. So, yeah, some of the larger agencies, we really didn't want to, uh, and the governor provided latitude for this schedule adjustment, um, I think a, a better set of decisions that will result and a more effective consolidation. It's been my understanding from talking with NASIO and some of our uh, consultative services that we have and research services that um, a large number, uh, greater than 30, have done consolidations, but they do vary. And, and a lot of times some of the, I'll call them hybrid consolidations, uh, seem to have been better received by their constituents. Yeah, it certainly makes the process a little bit easier. The total a strong, as I call it, a strong model with a total operational responsibility with the CIO, which we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, it's always a challenge getting it, uh, getting it through with some of the larger entities, but sometimes it makes sense. Uh, tell us about your budget, yes, your staff leadership. I understand you have about 700 folks there. Yes. Uh, so uh, most of our staff, it's uh, north of 650 our state employees, and uh, we have a mix of um, specialization contractors, as you would imagine, um, supporting the infrastructure for the state. Now, each of the agencies have retained um, the application-specific, so business-specific applications, that knowledge and that specialization um, are out back with the agency operational staff, and we think that makes a lot of sense. It really prevents a lot of knowledge loss and process loss, uh, communicating business requirements and technology requirements. So that part of the model, I think, uh, works out pretty well. Right now, we have not consolidated, for example, desktop provisioning services. We Each of the agencies has retained uh, a small desktop staff for their workstations, for their laptops, and, and, and that those types of kind of localized uh, technology services. So within uh, the staff of OIT, we do have a rather diverse split of security operations, managed hosting, mainframe operations. Um, We have a rather large and rather sophisticated storage uh, set of schemes where where we provide different levels and different cost points uh, of storage for our agencies. Um, And then, of course, the the core of uh, holding it all together is what we call the GSN, the Garden State Network, and we have a network uh, support team there that's a mixture of um, staff and and contractors that support that and provision new services. Let me uh, just stop you right there for a second. We have to take a short break now. Our guest today is Chris Ryan, Chief Technology Officer for the State of New Jersey. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. The FBI has a message for child victims of sextortion. Talk to a trusted adult or law enforcement about what happened. Sextortion is a federal crime that happens when an adult coerces a child into producing sexually explicit photographs or videos of themselves and sending them over the Internet. Assistant Section Chief Brian Herrick. When we talk to victims of sextortion, what they tell us is they have feelings of hopelessness. 
They get into a situation where they've sent a picture of themselves out to a stranger thinking that nothing bad was going to happen. And then what tends to happen is that picture is used against them. And that feeling of hopelessness is what keeps them from contacting someone who can help. The FBI wants victims to know that they are not in trouble. It's the adult that we're going to investigate and bring to justice, and we're going to get victim services to help those teens who are in the situation. Herrick says parents, teachers, and other caregivers should have open and candid discussions with children about appropriate online behavior. Report sextortion to your local FBI field office. Learn more at FBI.gov. With FBI This Week, I'm Molly Halpern of the Bureau. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. For the latest on my security clearance. Federal News Network. Federal News Network. Helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Chris Ryan, Chief Technology Officer for the state of New Jersey. Chris, before the break, we were talking about your budget. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit more? In fact, how large is your IT budget for the state of uh, New Jersey? The budget for the Office of Information Technology is partially governed by the state appropriation from our state budget, and the other part is what we call chargeback. I I would imagine that this uh, split is not uncommon across the other states. It's where we have staff cost recovery, um, some cost recovery for some of the core software licensing that we have, of course, um, and some of that's done via a um, rather sophisticated chargeback model. We have some 32 or 34 uh, actual services that we bill some by headcount, some by utilization, CPU minute, gig of storage, etc. So it, it varies. But the other half is provided by an appropriation from our, our, our state's uh, annual budget. And the, the approximate size is counting uh, the Office of Emergency Management, which handles and manages our statewide 911 emergency, uh, emergency telecommunication network, is north of $100 million. It's approximately a 50-50 mix in terms of appropriation versus chargeback model. You mentioned you're, you're a part of the uh, governor's cabinet, and so you're organized uh, reporting directly to the governor. I'm always interested in state and local CIOs' relationship with their chief executive and, and their role as an executive champion. Tell us how you work with the governor and how that makes sense and how, it, how the advantages of having a, a strong relationship with your CEO. Certainly. The governor uh, really wanted to implement four or five key initiatives that in some way involve or, or are, are enabled by technology when, when coming into the office. Greater transparency within government, greater um, fostering innovation across the state, uh, and implementing technologies that enable better access to government and better fairness within the government operations. So, 
we, we would talk about access to applications, access to business services. And a lot of that, you know, I, I think frequently we will hear wrapped into the concept of digital government or digitization. So those were among the uh, real priorities for Governor Murphy. And so um, in enabling these various state agencies to implement uh, the governor's strategies, uh, transparency and making data available uh, is one of them. And so we, we do some of that on board and some of that we partner with, uh, with, with a company that, that hosts a, a large open data transparency site data security and bolstering our state's cybersecurity measures uh, was a key priority. And I would tell you that is, if, if there's another priority that is hotter than that for me, I don't know that I can think of it, really working with Homeland Security um, and with our Treasury to really bolster the foundation of our cybersecurity protection mechanisms. There really were some issues prior um, that uh, allowed, well, as as we go forward, each ransomware attack, you know, we all hear about the cities that have been taken to their knees, in some case, state governments and state motor vehicle agencies. Um, so we've been um, extremely vigilant in that regard, applying a, a layered technology approach. So as the governor, uh, as we as we meet in cabinet meetings and as we as we talk about the governor's priorities, um, it's the, those are always the foundation upon which we build any particular business application or access methodology. You're a couple months now into the new fiscal year, so why don't you tell us about some of your current major initiatives and including any potential significant procurements? Uh, sure. So um, obviously, one likes to start with a solid foundation. And so we have begun uh, fairly recently, we've begun to construct uh, a strategic plan. I go to great lengths to, to not say an IT strategic plan. I really want this to be a business strategy and technology plan. So we're reaching out currently to the cabinet members and each of the agencies' CIOs to really understand what makes sense for a strategic plan for the state of New Jersey. As I looked at the prior iteration of a strategic plan, it was extremely voluminous. It was prescriptive down to version numbers and, and, and application and, and infrastructure products and services. And I don't believe that that really serves the state as well as um, one that lays out the core technologies and technology uh, enablers to really attain the business goals and the business strategies for health and agriculture and human services and motor vehicles and so forth. So uh, you'll see that the new strategic plan coming out um, of New Jersey more aligned with uh, the business goals of, of uh, our, our agencies, our governor's office, and technology enablement um, along those lines. So that strategic plan is one. Uh, we are probably halfway complete with a reevaluation and a retooling of our core Garden State Network. Now, that's a huge undertaking because this Garden State Network has grown since the, the mid-1990s, mid and it has evolved piecemeal at some points, you know, foundational, but we really need to understand whether that's going to take us into 2024, 2025, and beyond. So that's another large initiative that we have underway. And of course, setting up our practice 
of cloud infrastructure, that's platform as a service, as well as infrastructure as a service. Uh, those are, are well underway. We're reaching the point now where we're offering to our agencies uh, a true managed service provider model where an agency can call up and instead of taking weeks to provision a server, uh, virtual or physical, you know, our goals are much, much less than that, sub one, two day provisioning cycle. So we're really working hard at laying those practices down as well. Let's discuss organizational culture and change management. I often speak with state CIOs who have come from the private sector about the transition and the cultural challenges. You have a significant private sector experience, Chris, and also government service. So how did both affect your ability to address these cultural change issues? That's a very interesting question and, and, and an important one for me, John. When coming into this role, at, at this level of operating, relationships, it's all about relationships, right? That, that's how you get things done. And so I, I recognize, uh, especially having been in an outside agency for part of my career, I know that uh, many times there was not the highest view of uh, New Jersey's uh, Office of Information Technology. In some cases, um, it was because of the relationship damage, I'll say, that was done with the prior executive order of consolidation and the way that it was implemented. Not that the fundamental of consolidation is wrong or or is not effective. I think uh, it's been shown to be the case that it is effective. However, it really wasn't implemented in a way that opened up lines of communication and fostered uh, better relationships between the agencies and us as their service provider. So focusing on the relationships has really been a priority of mine. Um, it's, it's, so I'm 14, 15 months in now, and I would like to think that uh, a number of these relationships are on a much, much better plane than they had been late in 2017 and early 2018. Now, that's interesting because that goes back to another thing I read about you. And when you first came on board, you used the term step zero or building up or rebuilding relationships. It sounds like you really took that to heart. Yes, I did. Uh, really, um, you know, we, we have operational practices, policies, um, treasury circulars, and all of the documented uh, things that we operate under. But at the end of the day, if you know, without good relationships and having a set of clients that understand that we really um, understand their needs and have discussions instead of directive, prescriptive, two-way communications is one way to enable that. And we, we put a lot of focus on that. We've brought in agency and we are continuing to bring in agency feedback uh, with all of our strategic plan creation. Uh, we have uh, every month and a half to two months, we have an agency CIO meeting where the CIOs from 25 to 30 of our state agencies attend. We share successes, challenges, uh, upcoming legislation, and so forth. So I really feel good about the progress. There's always work you know, ahead of us and there's more improvements to make, but that will remain a priority of mine. I was actually going to ask you about the, uh, the that governance issue of dealing with agency agency information officers or agency CIOs, if you will. Uh, you certainly sounds like it sounds like you have a, a a mechanism to bring that group together. Do they actually report to you in any way at a dotted line, or are they still within their own uh, separate agencies? Each of the separate agencies that has a CIO, a chief information officer, which is most of all of the larger and medium-sized ones, they report uh, structurally up to their director or commissioner or cabinet member. So there's no real dotted line. Where the relationship does intersect is for project governance, uh, 
project approvals and procurement approvals. So as C Chief Technology Officer, um, uh, I have approval authority for all technology purchases over a certain level. I think it's $40,000. And, and basically, that fosters a lot of um, discussion and planning, I think better planning with the agencies to make sure that we're not, you know, going uh, after uh, many, many varied one-off solutions. Oh, sure. And it's nice to have that control, at least over the budget in these cases. With that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Chris Ryan, Chief Technology Officer of the State of New Jersey. Chris, thanks for taking the time to be with us. It's been great to have you. Thank you, John. It's an honor to share some of these thoughts with you. And thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.